Welcome to Fresh Take, your favorite weekly podcast that delivers a healthy dose of information pertaining to healthy lifestyles, organic and sustainable agriculture, and numerous topics related to the environment. Thanks for tuning in. Our industry experts are here to provide you with a fresh take on topics that can help you optimize your lifestyle and well-being. Welcome to Fresh Steak. I'm Juan Carlos Rodriguez, your host. And today we're very excited to have John Bitter with us. Um, John is the owner of Frog Song Organics. And we'll be talking to John about his experience running a community-supported agriculture, listening to some of the stories that, that he has, uh, and hopefully be able to talk about what it takes to start a CSA for those people that are interested in farmers that are interested in CSAs or maybe consumers who want to join CSAs. Welcome, John. Hey, uh, thank you for having me, Juan Carlos. This is a, quite a cool opportunity to talk about the CSA. I have to say before we start, my wife and I are co-owners of this business and she actually <laughs> handles a lot of the uh, CSA part of it, you know, but I know you guys want to hear it from a farmer and there's a lot of reasons that um, I... Uh, basically take part of the CSA program at our farm. And, you know, I'm, I'm involved a lot in the planning of what's in it and how we implement it, how we distribute it. So uh, you'll get a lot of cool um, stuff from me hope today, hopefully, you know, of, well, of, of kind of a farmer's perspective rather than just the um, the manager's perspective too of, of the program. That's great. Uh, yeah. I, I have to apologize to your wife, Amy, uh, if I didn't also <laughs> mention that she is part of, you know, Frog Song Organics uh, CSA. So Thank you so much once again for joining us today. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your experience, John? I know that you have a background in agriculture. Um, so could you maybe want to share with us briefly how it was that you got involved in farming? Sure. Uh, it's a long story, but I've been working at it since I was at University of Florida. I graduated in uh, 2005 with a horticulture degree. Uh, went right into industry after that and started working at um, farms in, in Florida and then out in California. Um, became a, a farm inspector in California in 2006 and uh, kept working at that all the way until uh, 2020, actually. Um, so I was about 14 years uh, doing all sorts of audits for um, the USDA program. It was a third party, kind of just like QCS, and I had worked for QCS in the past too as well. But I worked for multiple certifiers, so I got to see farms, processing plants, brokers, traders, importers, exporters, um, livestock operations, just like the whole gamut. And so it was a pretty interesting job, but 2011 is when we broke ground at Frogs on Organics. So I was being a farmer and an inspector for about uh, about eight years there, so nine years. Had two jobs. And uh, so I audited uh, sometimes during the week, and I farmed about 60 or 80 hours a week as well. And um, that was kind of how I ran things for uh, a, good, a good amount of time at Frogsong. And so um, I was able to take some of that uh, information that has basically an inspiration, I'd call it, of what I'd seen out in the industry and how people were doing different CSA programs. And we kind of adapted it slowly but surely to Frog Song. And um, so I, I don't know if you want to get into that yet or if there's any more of the background information you want, want to know. No, that's great uh, because a lot of what you're just telling us right now, and as I'm you know, listening to you, sounds like it took a while for you, you guys to decide that you wanted to have a CSA. With all your experience, both, you know, at the University of Florida, California, you know, being an organic inspector, seeing, you know, farms, inspecting farms, and, and perhaps, you know, seeing uh, CSAs in a lot of those inspections, maybe led to at some point 
thinking about that you all should probably also start your CSA. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. And um, what we try to do is come up with a, like a multi uh, marketing strategy, you know, like having m- multiple channels of marketing, uh, even as a small farm, even our first year, we started a small CSA. I think we we're somewhere around 50 members or so um, uh, up in the first season. But at the same time, we were doing farmers markets and we we're even starting to find some small wholesale channels. So, you know, we we're kind of uh, approaching all three major parts of the farm. Um, that we that we've kind of developed over the years, and so each one of those branches has gotten bigger, and it kind of all plays into how the crops are, uh, how they yield, and how you plant them in the field. Um, they, it, it's good to not have too much of one of them because it's hard to grow just for that. But it's uh, if you grow for wholesale, then you can you can adapt that to CSA if you get your CSA numbers large enough, and then if you are basically endeavorous enough to do farmer's markets, then you can sell all the odds and ends and anything that didn't really fit in a wholesale box or, or didn't, you didn't have numbers for in CSA. So you send to the farmer's markets, you know, and the whole goal of farming, I think is, is, is getting the most product out of your work out there, you know, like whether you're organic or conventional, you know, we all want to make sure that we get a good amount of value out of our work. And so you don't want to waste it. You don't want to have greens go to waste. You don't have herbs go to waste, you know, things that are really ephemeral. So you got to find channels for them, you know, um, and if they're ready in the field, you got to pick them uh, sometimes, you know, sometimes to completion so that they grow back at the right rate when you're ready to pick them again. Uh, you don't want to pick just some of them and leave the rest of them out there. And it basically makes a liability the next time you have to go pick if they're not in the, in the right stage of picking. So with CSA, what we've done is we've kind of matched our numbers with our CSA customers to the other channels so that they all kind of work together rather than uh, working apart from each other. And CSA has grown a lot. It's gone a lot of different ways at Frog Song. So we can talk about that today, you know, but the general idea of our CSA was how do we fill in, the need to move these products with this kind of volume of the other channels as well. You know, we, had, we knew we wanted to do a few farmers markets. We knew that we wanted to sell to, you know, maybe a dozen, two dozen restaurants during the week. Um, and then we still have a lot of product here and we want to get it out to the people that need it. So that's where the CSA program really was kind of finding its niche. And, and then as you start that, you get to learn all the different personalities of your customers. You know, some people are really adventurous and they want to do the farmer's choice is what we call it. And, and that's more of a traditional CSA. So um, at Frog Song, we call it a farmer's choice. So that's, that is what it is. You know, I, I or basically the team, uh, that's how it goes these days. Um, you know, originally it was me deciding, but now it's an effort. So we meet on that as a production team and uh, we, we basically check all the items that we're going to go into the box the next week. And so, um, you know, we're looking for variety. Um, we're looking for, you know, some of the, the gem items that we call it, like uh, tomatoes are little gems, you know, and like fruit are gems and, you know, uh, maybe some value added things like tea could be a gem, you know, but like there's some things that people get really excited about. So we call those gems, you know, and then there's, your your meat of the box and not 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 to use the word uh incorrectly the veggies of the box but basically the main part of it you're gonna have your roots you're gonna have your greens you know um you're gonna have your uh your seasonal veg like you know squash or cucumbers or maybe like a legume or something like that so what we try to do is we every week we try to spread out the diversity you know to cover all the realms like we might have 
one or two kinds of greens. We might have one legume. We might have one or two different kinds of root crops. You know, we might have a fruit. We might have um, a, a seasonal kind of um, like a, like a like a squash or or something that fits in with that that time of the year. Um, so we're trying to shoot for about eight to ten items uh, most weeks in our boxes. And, and, and so what we do is we keep a spreadsheet, of course, with um, all the information on it. And we can look back and we can look back one or two weeks or all the way back to the beginning of the season. And we can see, you know, if we're, if we're going to put greens in the box every week, then um, we're not going to give you curly kale every week. You know, you might get curly kale one week and then the next week you might get chart, um, but you're going to get a different variety. And that's kind of, that's, you know, we, we, we look at those categories like greens. Okay. We're going to get some greens in the box every week, but then let's make sure they didn't get the same green that they got last week. You know, those, those little, those little things that'll help your, you know, your customer know that you're paying attention, that you're doing your best you can. Um, and they, they appreciate it too. You know, uh, it does sound like it's a lot of work, but you're keeping your customers happy precisely because of what you were just explaining uh, that variety that that you're also paying attention to, you know, what it is that, you know, their basket has every week and from time to time at any time with the way that you record, um, you know, using the spreadsheet or what have you. That's great. It also, I'm wondering if this is something that you, uh, sounds like you've been doing over the years is sort of adjusting that model model that's that you started with as you were learning has evolved and changed a bit over time yeah definitely let's talk about that so the the first seven years or so at frog song we only sold our own product and that was kind of what we set out to do originally was to make a successful farm that we you know we're relying on ourselves and um as we got bigger and we learned that you know um you have, once you have a lot of overhead, you know, uh, maybe some distribution vehicles, um, really good, uh, employees that want to be employed year round, you know, uh, rent and mortgages and all that stuff. If you have some really bad weather, then, um, your CSA is going to suffer, you know, um, it's going to get really sparse, you know, um, it's easy to just explain to the farmer's market customers like, Oh yeah, we just don't have that much this week, but your CSA, that's your core, you know, and um, they're the, they're the folks that already paid ahead of time. You know, they're the ones that committed to supporting the farm. They're basically giving you a loan. You know, if you're using that traditional CSA model, they're paying ahead of the season and they're expecting to get their veggies back every week. So, you know, it's a, it's a performance every week, you know, of what you can do now. I think it was like uh, El Nino um, November that made us change our model but, you know, we're going, we, we expect the summer to be a pretty low season. So we didn't even do CSA through most of the, I think the, we hadn't done summer CSA until the last few, like maybe two or three years. Before that, we didn't even try for summer CSA, I think, because we just didn't have a whole lot available in the summer from frog song. So, you know, we're aiming for the, what we call the sweet spots in the, in the, in the year, you know, like the abundant season in the fall, the abundant season in the spring, we even took off for like, you know, three or four weeks in the, in the wintertime sometimes too, because it would get sparse again, like in January, uh, early February. So that was kind of planning around using all frog song product until we get some kind of weather pattern that we just could never foresee. And it was in the middle of the sweet spot that we thought, you know, of, of November, and we're just getting rained out like 18 inches or something. It was in November mm-hmm. in cold weather. And it's just shutting down all the crops that we've got planted. You know, like uh, we had so much good stuff in the ground and it just wasn't, you know, yielding. And so, um, you know, we basically had to make a, a hard decision. At that point, we had already 
we had gotten a lot of momentum. You know, we're talking about a, a decent amount of revenue from all of our channels. So, uh, you know, and a lot of employees too, probably 12 to 15 employees or more um, at that point. You know, you face the decision of laying people off and upsetting mm-hmm. customers. And, and you realize, well, why are we struggling this much? There's a bunch of good food around right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for other people's soil, like I think we went to talk to Cody over at Siembra and we went to talk to Jordan over at, um, at the Family Garden and uh, some of our friends in Tampa area, um, Little Pond Farm uh, with Ellen and Cole. Uh, I'm probably forgetting somebody right now, but um, we ended up picking up Big Daddy's Farm too in um, Oviedo. But we were able to um, put together, you know, three or four growers uh, really quickly. And, you know, we went to our friends and they're like, hey, you know what? Um, we really want to get your product on the truck. You know, transparency is our game. We want, we're going to let people know where everything came from. Mm-hmm. And we designed a system to accommodate that. So we took our system that we were just, you know, selling Frog Song product and we were able to pretty quickly adapt to purchasing products from our friends' farms and also growing our own. We didn't stop growing, you know, we just had a little blip in our production. Um, And then by probably December, January, it came right back and we were rocking, but we didn't want to let our friends down. So we kept on going and um, and we made kind of what what the model is now. So uh, what we do now is more of a farm aggregator where we put together uh, like-minded small organic farms or medium-sized organic farms, uh, people who have their integrity and are, you know, say what they're doing and, and, and give our customers what they want. You know, our customers want to know if Ellen grew that tomato or if uh, Jordan grew that cabbage or if, uh, you know, Cody grew the, you know, the greens or something. But they, they all get those personal experiences. We're picking up d- or directly from our growers. We don't do any kind of commodity. You know, we don't buy from like the terminal market and hope that it's organic from Peru or something, you know. Um, so we really feel like the, what our customers want is they want the integrity of the product and they want to know where it came from and they uh, they want it to be organic, you know. So uh, we've already been doing that with Frog Song products. So now we kind of expand that to our partner growers and um, and we're able to offer a lot larger uh, I guess offering each week you know, to, not get, to not have a better word to use. You know, we're, we're, our offering is much better every week, and we've adapted that to the CSA. So now we go year-round with our CSA, and you know, um, even in the summer, we have maybe half of our own product in there and half of purchased product. Um, but it gives the customers a lot better experience. You know, they're mm-hmm. getting tomatoes like almost every week. They're getting fruit almost every other week mm-hmm. or so, or even every every week when it's available. Mm-hmm. And then um, they're getting all sorts of good greens from Florida and they're getting good greens from North Carolina. We work with growers now all the way up to Asheville and to um, Fayetteville where we go and pick up directly from their farms uh, during the summertime. Yeah. So we've expanded our, um, our distribution realm a lot in the last few years. Um, And and, and it's working because, you know, when you pick up directly from someone's farm, you get a lot better product than if you were to like get it through somebody else. That's one of the, one of the ways we've taken it. So Mm -hmm. now in the we have the um, the farmer's choice, and that is basically whatever is most abundant in our system that week, not just necessarily what's most abundant in our farm. But, you know, if, uh, if we got really great tomatoes from Asheville and uh, and we haven't done tomatoes that same variety the previous week, then they're probably going to get them, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, that that was just the first type of customer. That's like your most forgiving, you know, uh, most adventurous, most, um, you know, uh, how do you say, just a neophile that wants to, you know, learn and experience new stuff. That's really interesting, John. I guess you wish that all of your customers were as flexible uh, as those in the farmer's choice. 
Uh, but I'm assuming, like myself and many of our listeners, probably that there you have, you know, picky consumers that you also have to please. Um, would you mind sharing with us a little bit more information about these different types of consumers um, that you have and that are part of the CSA? Because I'm sure that a lot of our listeners, especially those farmers that maybe are going to be new at um, starting CSAs, should keep in mind when designing their CSA that they will have a lot of different types of consumers in it. Often you can have consumers who are very flexible, some that are picky, some that are probably in the middle. Um, so what has been your experience when it comes to those different types of consumers? Um, so you'll see two general customer types, the, the neophile. Then you got like the other type of customer that is not so much into new stuff. They know what they want. You know, they've got their they've got their grocery list, and they they know that they want organic food. They want they know they want local food, but they still want carrots, onions, and lettuce every week. You know, they they don't want to try the kohlrabi. They don't want to try the radishes. They don't want anything to do with the lemon basil. You know, or any of the, any of the exotic stuff that you might have. Um, so. Those type of customers, if you get them into a traditional CSA, and a lot of times they'll, they'll sign up for a traditional CSA and they think it's a great idea and, and halfway through the season they want to cancel. They're just like, you know what, I can't even eat all this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, feel like, I feel bad because it's going to waste. You're going to hear that a lot in a CSA program, you know, because you're working really hard as a farmer. The, your, your customers are likely really informed about you because you've done a great job, you know, educating. And they, and they just feel bad because they know that you're doing a lot of work and they're not really eating it. <laughs> so, so then th- therein lies the challenge of how to, how to engage and keep those customers satisfied. So those customers are great customers. You just have to have a system to accommodate them. And, and sometimes as a farmer, you might not be able to accommodate them because it takes a lot of investment to accommodate that type of customer. If you're talking about like a CSA or an online store or something. So mm-hmm. The simple answer for those type customers would be come see us at the farmer's market and either just pay cash there, or you could set up a, a pay card program, like a, like a gift card program. And that's not a whole lot of work for the farmer, you know, that, um, that doesn't want to manage an online store, you know, online store or distribution and all that stuff is a whole other level. So I think that's like probably a whole different podcast for us. So what I would recommend if you're trying to accommodate the picky customer that knows what they want, you know, and wants to help out the farm, then what you sell them is basically a prepaid credit to the farm. And that'll help the same idea as a traditional CSA with the farm. You get the money up front, say it's like 250 or $500. You buy in in chunks and you get the money in and you charge up their gift card and you got their gift card in your system. You're going to have to have some kind of management for that, like either, you know, QuickBooks or some kind of accounting system to know where they're at. Um, and then uh, Square, I would do probably look at Square of anything because Square is a great one to use at the farmer's markets. And then, you know, they come to the farmer's market and they get exactly what they want. They get their carrots, they get their onions, they get their lettuce when it's in season and they swipe their card and it takes it out of their account that you have, you know, basically holding for them. And, and that, that, that's, that's a good game to play on that end. So um, what we've done, you know, with the online store is we've taken that to a different level. So they can basically spend that money on our online store. And because we source from our partner growers, we do have a lot more weeks that like carrots and onions and lettuces are available, not just from Frog Song, but from any of the Florida partner growers or North Carolina partner growers. So um, we can accommodate the pickier customers because we have really high quality, you know, 
local or regional um, organic produce um, available, you know? So um, that, that's, that's something to think about. Um, I think if you're starting a CSA, um, you should, you should probably approach the first type of customer, you know, like the, the neophile and go for that first. They're your, they're the low hanging fruit. There might not be a lot of them, but they will be um, people that come back every year. And that's, what's important. And then as you get more advanced with that, move on to your picky customers and you'll get to meet them at the farmer's markets and they're pretty, they'll be some of your best customers. They're, they're, they'll, they'll come out and see you every time that you have lettuce, onions, and, uh, and, and uh, whatever else I'll say, carrots. <laughs> so, um, that's, that's, that's what you'll see. You know, you'll, you'll, see, the, uh, the, you'll see those two, two general customer types and, and you want to serve them both. But go for the flexible one first. And then as you get bigger and more sophisticated, work on the picky customer, you know, and how you can handle that. And, and gift card would be my first recommendation. And then if you really want to go online store, um, you'd have to, I, I think to, to really justify the online store, you got to have a decent amount of volume and then you, you, you run into the same challenge that we ran into, you know, do we do this on one farm or do we become an aggregator and, and do this, you know, together basically. Mm-hmm. So that's what we had. That's what we ended up going with. You know, if we're going to maintain an online store, if we're going to maintain delivery routes and delivery trucks and delivery drivers and all the things that go with it. And uh, an aggregator is a much more sustainable model for us than just a single farm model, essentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and gosh, it's like you said, we, we, we could definitely have a whole series about uh, some of the uh, things that you have done with your CSA that, that I think as you, you share so much information and really good information for farmers, those people that are you know, now considering CSAs. And, and of course, even consumers and, and the types of consumers that maybe are interested in CSAs. Your model is very interesting. And I've known you guys for you know many years now. All that you've done over the years to get to the point where you are making a living, you know, out of farming, which is another question a lot of people have. It wasn't, you know, overnight. Uh, I talked to beginning farmers and some beginning farmers considering, well, how, how am I going to market the product? And then say, oh, I'm going to start a CSA but they're beginning farmers. They're people who probably have only had a couple of years of experience actually owning their farm and um, growing crops. And now having to, you know, start a CSA is a huge challenge. You and Amy have been doing this for many, many years, and it's evolved over time to the point where you now are able to also, you know, bring in your friends and, and partners and grown to the level that now you are not only having product from Florida, but also some of these other places that you bring in product and, and, and keeping your, your customers happy. Yeah. I think it's just, I mean, if we're going to talk to uh, like people around the country about this, you know, and like kind of a general idea, let's start at the beginning of like, if you're starting a farm, you're going to learn about your location, you know, learn about what you can grow. And I would, my best recommendation there, if you're thinking about a CSA in the first few years, is just start small and, and just plan on it being kind of, you know, like a dependable revenue source, but on a smaller scale that you can pair with some other channel. Uh, maybe you don't go to farmer's markets, but maybe if you decide not to do that, you still need to approach some wholesale customers, you know, that are going to pick up boxes at the farm. That'd be the simplest thing or getting on the road and, and taking it to them. And that's a lot more difficult. So um, if you didn't want to do wholesale, then I would recommend finding at least one good solid farmer's market a week and pair it with your CSA. And, and that'll go well together because as you learn how to grow in your location, 
you're going to learn the things that grow really well for you and you're going to learn the things that are really challenging. And so likely the challenging things will be those gems that we were talking about at the beginning that people want in their box. They want tomatoes, they want fruit, you know, they want, you know, exotic stuff that they don't see in the grocery store. So um, those are the gems and you, maybe you just hit it where you grow some of those real easy, but likely they're going to be a challenge. And so um, the weeks that they're good, are the weeks that you put them in CSA. The weeks that those crops are kind of waning are the weeks that they don't put them in CSA and they just go to the farmer's market. So um, say that you do a dozen or two dozen or maybe even three dozen CSA members your first year. That would be pretty modest, you know, to get like a case and a half of, you know, like a thir 36 count of whatever you're doing that week, you know, um, that's fairly obtainable for a small grower you know that's 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 totally doable so um you know as you're planting you, you, you gotta look at how many row feet you got in, in a row and you gotta you know there's a whole different conversation too on like you know planning out your plantings for this but um succession planting is necessary you've got to, if you're going to plant first day you've got to think successions you've got to be on it you got to put it on a calendar so you don't forget and um, you got to have your seeds ready so you don't miss your successions. There's all these little uh, technical points that if you if you mess it up, then something will fall by the wayside. You know, you don't get what you <laughs> expected in your plan. So right. the, there's a good reason to plan, but there's also over planning because you have to be adaptable too. You know, so you have to kind of just live by these strategies of like uh, you know keeping keeping up to date on your inventories and and keeping up to date on your planting. You know, um, you know making making sure that you're writing stuff down and you're following up on it. Um, and, uh, we use spreadsheets for that. So something to think about as you, as you're starting a small farm, um, when I went to UF and I was learning all how to be a horticulturalist and, and thinking I was going to be a farmer, um, someday, I never realized that data management was an important part of this. Like I never <laughs> realized that being a farmer, you're going to have to actually manage thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, or even millions of data points in your lifetime there, you know, on the farm. So there's so much data that comes through on a daily basis on any given farm that you have to be efficient and uh, effective at basically writing it down, you know, recording it and interpreting it, you know, being able to access that information, you know, knowing, you know, like, uh, what, do, what do we have planned coming up this week for harvest in CSA? Or, you know, what are we going to plant this week? So that in the three weeks to six weeks to eight weeks time, we're going to get some product for the CSA out of the field, basically. So, you know, all these little uh, things that pertain to the CSA. And then also what you're going to learn, too, um, if you go down the CSA path, is the data of your customers. And it could just be their name, but it's associated with where they're going to pick up the product. And it's associated with the size of their box if they get like a small box or a large box. You know, so you can keep it as simple as you want, but there's still data to manage, you know, and you have to do it effectively or else you screw it up and pay, basically people get upset. Right. <laughs> you know, people are like, oh, when you when you don't have a box for somebody and they thought they had a box, like they drove all the way there to get a box and you don't have a box for them. Yeah. That's a, that's your failure. You know, that's, that's the time you feel really bad as a farm. You're like, Absolutely. oh man, how do we... How do we keep this from happening again? You know, and that's where the data management comes in. So, management of this of this information is critical into making a CSA program. So that's that that's the challenge. And 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 definitely, uh, if somebody would have told me that ahead of time, I would have probably put more energy and instead of learning so much just about plants, I would have probably learned a little bit about data management too, <laughs> and, and trying to trying to be, be you know be ready to be a farmer essentially. Well, but it certainly um, but, sounds uh, like you, over time, have gotten to be an expert when it comes to, you know, looking at that data. And a lot of your success 
is because you you're paying a lot of attention to all these various things that perhaps sometimes, as you said, you know, when you're going through school, uh, when you're becoming, you know, a horticulturist or, you know, eventually a farmer, you're doing all of that because you love, you know, growing things or farming or being outside. And as you mentioned, uh, which I completely agree with you, is that there's all this other part of it, this component that can really make the difference. And it really does sound a lot like for you guys, you, you realize that this is very important and that's just how you've been as successful as you are. Um, just uh, in terms of how do people find out about Frog Song, uh, people interested in either joining your CSA if you're still taking uh, members, um, and then uh, you guys are also involved in uh, farm workshops, if I'm not mistaken, and some other things. Would you want to share with us, um, you know, briefly uh, how people can learn more about, you know, Frog Song and everything that you do? Definitely. Well, thank, thanks for all the compliments, there, Juan. And uh, I'll say that um, I definitely um, I haven't figured it out yet. That's uh, that's always the state of mind that I try to keep myself in. You know, is uh, we're always uh, trying to improve here. And um, I would say that um, the best thing to do is just keep your expectations at a modest level, and then you don't get so upset when things don't work out the way you thought they would. You know, <laughs> and uh, if we uh, if we get the food to the people that needed it today, and everybody uh, is safe and uh, nobody's uh, outraged and i think we did pretty good today you know? and so uh, you know we 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 have the same idea with marketing you know we we want to get this food out to everybody um we we bring it to uh so many cities right now we come to uh, orlando uh, tampa jacksonville the entire coast all the way down to new Smyrna beach um gainesville of course and all those points in between so if you're in north florida if you're in central florida uh we likely have a way to serve you um, we have home delivery in a lot of areas. We have farmers market pickups in a lot of areas. Um, we have the you know the online store where you can put in your order ahead of time, or you can just come out and see us at one of the markets if you prefer that. But the online store, I think, is just grown to be a really um, key part of the business in the last two years or so, especially uh, post COVID. And uh, I, I see why. I mean, it's just kind of the the shopping habits of a lot of Americans is it's easier to just uh, put it in on your phone and have it show up at your door and a few days later. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I um, especially if you're in a rural area or if, if you're in a part of the town that doesn't have a great grocery store or a farmer's market, you know, we, this is our, our temporary solution to food deserts, essentially, you know, uh, we want to keep working. We want to keep getting more access. You know, I'd love to see farmer's markets in every corner of all the um, neighborhoods of central Florida, North Florida. Um, and one day I think we'll get there, you know, um, as people really appreciate, what it does for our bodies, what it does for, you know, the community to have like healthy food and, and, and have an industry that's, that's driven on healthy food. You know, this is not a exploitation industry. This is quite the opposite. You know, it's a regenerative farming. Mm-hmm. You're putting energy, energy into the earth. You know, you're harvesting the good at vegetables. They're clean. They don't have any kind of contamination. People eat them and you keep on, you know, being healthy. Not a silver bullet, <laughs> but uh, but we do know from a lot of data at the markets and a lot of data from our customers, uh, it can you can call it anecdotal, but eating healthy works to keep you healthy. So you know if you want to get involved with what we're doing, um, I would send you to frogsongorganics.com and get set up on our online store as a customer, and uh, just start browsing what we've got to offer. And if you're that uh, that neophile customer that just wants to know what we can do in in uh, in North Central Florida as a uh, 
you know, as a, as a, as a year round farm and you want to experience all sorts of cool recipes and stuff with this uh, specialty produce, then by all means sign up for the um, farmer's choice. You're going to get the best deal because it, whether you're, um, you know, for this goes for the, the farmers that are thinking about a CSA program too, the farmer's choice, the, the traditional CSA, the whole point of it is that you get a really good deal in the box. Like when you look at it versus the farmer's market price or the online store price, you know, the customer should always say, Oh man, this is great. Like I'm getting like, you know, 20% more or 30% more. Sometimes it's 50% more, you know, like it just depends on the week. Um, if we have a lot of a crop and we don't have it allocated, you know, we might've been budgeting, you know, one pound of the crop for the CSA. And then, you know, we're looking down the line at the week and we're like, wait, um, we don't have any sales against this. Like, I don't want this to carry over into next week. Okay. Bump it up to a pound and a half, you know, and that happens all the time in our CSA, you know, just to, it's that, that loss reduction. Don't want that um, product to go to waste, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, if we've got the chance, we'll just basically give more to our CSA customers and the farmers, mm -hmm. farmers choice box for other, you know, beginning farmers, just be interested with your CSA box. That's what it's all about is, is basically getting people a lot of good food and then they do the rest. You know? So um, yeah, that's, that's one of the great things about the farmer's choice, you know, and if you're the really selective kind of customer that, you know, you know what you need and it doesn't make you happy to, to get stuff that you weren't expecting, you know, <laughs> so um, by all means, the online store that we've made is just really nice that you can see, you know, all this cool stuff, you know, from our farm right now, we're working with farmers from Dade County, like I said, all the way up to Asheville and Fayetteville, North Carolina. So this region that we're able to drive through and drive to, I think that'll pretty much be our region. You know, I don't see us growing outside that region. Like there's, there's so many good, so many good people between those points, and you know, so many good farms that are uh, starting up or already exist that I think we can eat really well here between those states, you know, like all year and in, in, in Florida, it gets to be kind of a challenge in the summer times. Uh, we, we, we have to increase that, that range a little bit, but um, I think what we're able to get from the mountains and stuff is just really, really high quality. You know, we were getting it the, the day it's picked or the, the next day after it's picked, you know, it lasts like just as long as our produce, you know, and we're able to visit with the farmers and see their farm, you know, see that, it, that it, there's no herbicide out there, see that they're, they're farmers like us doing what we're trying to do, feed people healthy food. It's not a, um, you know, international commodity type business where mm -hmm. you just have to trust a piece of paper, you know, whether it's organic or not. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it's, it's the real deal. Like we're working with the farmers, <laughs> they're getting the price, you know, and, uh, and it goes to our customers. Our customers really appreciate it. You know, our, all of our prices are based on our costs. And uh, if our partner grower says, here's the cost, then, you know, we'll try to explain that to our customers. Like, here's why the carrots cost, you know, $5 a pint, because this is a lot of work to grow organic carrots, you know. So, you know, we're able to empathize with our partner growers. And, you know, like farming is a hard job. And it makes some amazing things, you know, for us to enjoy. So uh, it's, it's all that education thing. And I think that's something that we hadn't really said much in the CSA discussion is that um, running a CSA is going to be an educational experience uh, for both the farmer and the customer, you know, but the farmer needs to set out with the idea that there will be some time allocated for educating customers. Um, you're going to have stuff that they don't know about, you know, in that, in that traditional CSA. You're going to need to tell people how to use a kohlrabi. You're going to need to, you know, tell right. people how you like to use fennel, you know, or something that's just a, a really exotic thing that they haven't had yet, you know, not your uh, onions, carrots, and lettuces. So that educational part, build that into your time consideration when you're trying to set out your expectations for what a CSA is. 
Um, and, and as frog song, you know, what we've done is, uh, you know, we run a, a, a blog with our, um, with our recipes on there and we link that to our CFA communications so that, um, each week, you know, we'll feature a few recipes and, uh, we'll give them the link to the blog so that they can go look up all the recipes that we have up there, which are, I think there's hundreds up there now or more. So, um, you know, as you go along you just keep on building these resources for your customers, you know, and. It, the education never stops. There's always somebody that's going to come along that needs to know why is this important? You know, why do you guys work so hard to do this? You know, Absolutely. and, and then here, here, here it comes, you know, it's like, we're, let's sit down for half an hour here. <laughs> There's a lot to talk about. <laughs> Absolutely. And that, and that's uh, precisely why Florida Organic Growers does, you know, these podcasts uh, is because we want to inform our, our listeners, the farmers, the consumers, educate them in the sense of what is this thing that the people are talking about CSAs for people that the, the term CSAs is new to them, uh, farmers were interested in. So we cannot thank you enough, John, once again, for being part of our podcast. It, you guys have a great model. It's, it's, it's something that I know that our listeners will appreciate, you know, learning more about. We, we thank you for being part of our podcast today and our uh, listeners out there, we invite you to join Flora Organic Growers and uh, listen to uh, our other podcasts uh, in the future. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Juan Carlos, for having me today. It was a real pleasure. And uh, anytime we can uh, do this again, I'll be happy to, uh, happy to help out. Thank you, John. Thanks, Juan Carlos. Take care. Thank you guys for listening to today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. As many of you already know, FOG is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization, which means we need your help to keep all of our content free to the public. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation today. We would really appreciate your support. 